This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. I I use I always use the example of um, a room with closed windows and drawn curtains. It's dark, dank. It's it's no fresh air, but there's fresh air outside. There's sunshine outside. And, and, and the forgiveness is, is like that sunshine, it's like that uh, fresh air. And in, it's there, available when you forgive. But in order for the person sitting in that damp room to enjoy the sunshine, they then have to open the window, draw apart the curtains, appropriate the, the gift of forgiveness. Are you ready? I, I wish I had Desmond Tutu's voice. I go, are you ready? Don't you love, love the way he says it? So great to have you folks here for the launch of our forgiveness series. Now the warm-up, I'm going to be putting a question up here. For those of you who are first time attendees, we do sort of a warm-up question. So I'd ask you to stand up. Get a little stretch and take a look at this question. Do you need a little fresh air? And the way that Desmond Tutu was talking about it. So please introduce yourself to someone around you. Say hello and do you need a little fresh air? Go. All right, folks, please grab a seat. So again, I want to welcome you to New Church Live. And, and what an interesting topic it is, forgiveness. And and, and I want to really look at it. I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing to think, like we have a Holocaust survivor coming, he's going to be talking about forgiveness, and, and how can we really work it, work it in our lives? Like, I have a hard enough time forgiving somebody who says they don't like New Church Live. And this is somebody who was in a, in a camp, lost her family, and she's able to find forgiveness. Like, how does that work? Like, how do we really learn to work at forgiveness? And this is no small thing. You know, probably some of you saw it. I put it on my, my Facebook page. It's this drone picture flying over this, this, this town in Syria, third largest town. The town is just devastated, right? And it's, it's sobering. Because I look at that and I think, that's what not forgiving means. Now, obviously not all the time is it, is it a village that's just raised to the ground. I mean, a lot of the time it's, it's that kind of thing that's happening in our own heart. We're actually, we're destroying ourselves because we're having such a hard time finding up the place of forgiveness. So that's what we're going to be looking at over these next four weeks is we're going to try to really start here looking at forgiveness kind of at a big level, coming down, looking at self-forgiveness. And then I want to go over here and I want to, we want to end in four weeks with a real simple thing. Can we from love release the relationship or renew the relationship? That's simple. Release it or renew it. 
And today we're going to look at, again, self-forgiveness, which is, which is such a big battle. We, we were talking to the fine young adults here today, and, and just that bit of like how much we wrestle with, with, with self-forgiveness. I mean, how many of us feel really stupid at least once a week? Right? And I told the kids, everybody raised their hand, and I said, I said, you kids probably believe that eventually when you're age 50, that goes away. Does it go away when you're age 50? No. Does it get worse? Yes. I feel even more dumb. You know, especially when people ask me computer questions. I don't know. You know, it, it, it's really a challenge to do. Like, how do we really find self-forgiveness? How do we sort of work it? And, and, and what is it that New Church has to offer to that very conversation? These are great questions. So what I want to do is I want to sort of break the service into two halves. I want to start out at a 10,000-foot level, talking about forgiveness from a 10,000-foot level, then go into self-forgiveness. And today's service is, is it's going to be a little different. Sometimes with service, you know those cruise boat commercials where the guy comes out and makes the flaming dessert at the end? All right? Sometimes I feel like a service, like I'm the fine waiter and I want to show you the flaming dessert at the end and everybody goes, oh. Today's more like the buffet. I have no idea what you're going to get out of it. My, my goal simply is to throw a lot of things out there and maybe one or two of them will be like, oh, that, that's it. That's it for me. Because self-forgiveness, right? Some of us are here struggling because we feel stupid. We feel we're this, we're that, we're that thing. That's one form. And then some of us are coming here because we've done really dumb stuff. And we're looking at how do we forgive ourselves around that. So pick what you want today. As long as you tell me it's all good at the end, we're all good. I want to start out with that 10,000-foot level looking at this. What forgiveness is. And this would be great to take a picture of if you have your cameras out. What forgiveness is. It's giving up our illusionary hope for a better past so we can fully live in the present. That's a good one. Number two, refusing to allow others to rent free space in our heads. It's my friend Stephanie got that one. I like that one. Freeing someone and realizing that someone, have you say the last word there? Freeing someone and realizing that someone is... Us. I guarantee folks, whoever you have in your mind who you need to forgive, they're probably thinking a whole lot less about you than you think they are. And the last one, returning, this is Desmond Tutu's, returning what was taken from us. And this was a guy who worked with apartheid in South Africa, was, was in the Truth and Reconciliation uh, Commission, lots of great stuff there. So this is what forgiveness is. Well, that begs the question, if this is what forgiveness is, what isn't forgiveness? It's not amnesia. Sometimes, and I'm going to come back to this, sometimes forgiving is forgetting. And sometimes, actually, forgiving is remembering. Think about that. Not waiting for them to do something. This is one I am so guilty of. If you've wronged me, I'm waiting for you to clean it up. We do that very, very often. Not saving them. Number three, it's not saving them from the consequences of their actions. Somebody may do something wrong. And it's, forgiveness is not about saying, no, there are no consequences to that. Of course there are consequences, and consequences are healthy. Not always reconciliation. I'm going to have you read that last little bit because it's so important. Not always reconciliation. Ready? Read it with me. One to forgive, two to reconcile. It takes one person to forgive. Now, it begs the question, well, what if the other person, you know, isn't into that? Well, that's why it takes two to reconcile. So you can still forgive. You can forgive. You can work on forgiveness. Is there somebody who's, who's passed, you know, and you need to work on forgiveness? This is a time to do it. 
Because reconciliation takes two people. Sometimes we don't get two. But we always get the one. And the last one, can we say this really loud? It's not weakness. It's not weakness. People think, uh, you know, forgiveness and weakness, isn't that the same? It is not the same. Actually, forgiveness is, is incredibly difficult. It, it takes a lot of courage to do. It takes a lot of courage. Because, you know, folks, like we, we move through our lives and we're constantly hurting people in little ways. And, 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 you know, like just thinking about that, just that, that courage it takes to simply say you're sorry over even just a little remark is really hard to do. So we do want to honor that courage as well. Now, one of my favorite Christian authors, many of you know, is Anne Lamott. And this is one she had to share on forgiveness. And this is, again, from the 10,000-foot view of, of why we need to forgive and sort of what can be going on in our head. And that just will resonate with a lot of us. This is Anne Lamont. About 20 years ago, when my son started school, I realized I was hiding grudges and resentment, sometimes against the other mothers. They might be too thin, or they might flaunt their wealth, or flaunt that their child was already reading in first grade. It took a lot of work to stick with, stick with the unpacking of the resentment to realize it was always about self-loathing. Most of these people in the trajectory of the drones I fired were pretty innocent bystanders. They might say something really stupid about me or my son, and I would seize on it like a dog with a bone, throw it over my shoulder and chase it and fling it over the other side of the room and chase it down. It wouldn't have affected me if there hadn't been that age-old contempt a lot of us can still find in ourselves. The mix of self-contempt and grandiosity. So I'm going to move over here. I, I love her description there, you know, in terms of how it works. And, and, and kind of like we, we, can, we can take from the forgiveness bit, we can take it and it can become like this, this bone. I brought this bone from home from our dog. And, you know, we can kind of like gnaw on it all the time. And then we throw it and then we go and chase it. And then we chase it and we chase it. And then we know those people who we really can invite in to watch us chew this bone and watch us throw it around. Right? Facebook's great for that. Um, you know, and, and uh, it's challenging, right? I, I love her phrase there, self-contempt and grandiosity. Like, sometimes with forgiveness, that's, that's, that's where it starts, is trying to get over any place we have self-contempt and grandiosity. You know, it's kind of like this, and I've said this before. Your ego can get you up here, and your ego can get you down here. Bears repeating all the time, you're never that good and you're never that bad. <laughs> We're always this wonderful mix. So part of forgiveness is learning to put this down. Just, I, I'm not going to go there. I, I'm not going to be part of that email chain. I, I'm not going to actually pick that phone call up. I'm actually not, I see that group of people over there, boy, I love to play catch with this bone with them. I'm not actually going to go there. No judgment about them. It's not making them better on. I'm just not going to do this. That's one step, like at the biggest of forgiveness. In the other sort of 10,000 foot view, I want you folks to think about is this, and this is maybe a little bit tougher to talk about. So, so with, with forgiveness, like I, Every morning when, it, when I preach at 5.30 in the morning, I go down to Wawa to buy coffee. And now that it's $1.06, I'm in heaven. Right? And the, and the best part of the coffee is, is, you know, you're holding something warm in your hand. And I feel like that, that's, that's part of forgiveness. And, and how are we really going to do the work? 
Like, which one of these two cups would you pick? Cup number one or cup number two? I'm going to have you all shout it out here in a minute. Cup number one, cup number two. Which will you pick? One or two? Shout it out. Somebody said three. Who said three? So, so here's, here's the joke, right? It looks, looks the same as forgiveness, but there's a kind of forgiveness that actually the bottom's out of the cup. This is really tricky, and I probably won't be able to explain this, and probably some of you are going to have to call me up to explain it. I, there's a way in which I think we're, we're with, with forgiveness, especially this is a transition into self-forgiveness. We believe that it's all about a self-esteem game. Like, I, you know, I, I struggle with a lot of stuff. I struggle because, frankly, I'm just not that smart. And I, and I know that about me. Like, I have real cognitive limitations. I do some things well. I do other things not well. And so I can get in sometimes to sort of self-loathing about that. Like, I'm so stupid. How could I do that? How could I do that? All that stuff. And, and, and you know, if I mention that to somebody, something that's not healthy is just the sort of the knee-jerk response. Well, Chuck, just, just forgive yourself. It's not quite it. It's not quite it. See, if, if we don't really have the cup set up the right way, all the feel-goodness in the world, all the feel-goodness in the world is just going to pour right through. Does that make sense? Could you say yes, even if you don't make sense? You know, <laughs> good. Made sense to some people. So it, it just kind of pours right through. Yet we live in a culture that says, no, I need to keep on piling in more and more feeling good about yourself. And we'll do that more and more and more and more. We, we're addicted to that. Entertainment industries, let me pour more and more in. But it just keeps on coming out the other side. So as the band comes out, as the band comes out, I want you to think, what does it mean to have a bottom in the cup? What does it mean to actually do the work of forgiveness? Like, here's something that, that Eva Kaur shared that I thought was, was really incredible. You know, Eva, Eva Kaur talked about, uh, you know, talked about this beautiful piece where she said she'd actually moved beyond forgiveness. Isn't that interesting? And she was telling Chris, like, she was telling Chris, yeah, and Chris, you guys can start moving on up here. Um, she was, she was saying like she'd moved beyond it where it was, where it was no longer even a topic for her in a certain sense. Wow, that'd be a powerful place to be. So when we come back, we're going to talk about that. And I want to really be clear. It takes a lot of courage to do it. It takes a lot of bravery to actually learn to forgive, to forgive at that kind of deep level and to see it all within this context, the context of a deeply loving God. So that touching the sky, I can fly, fly, that idea of touching the sky, that idea that, that as we work through forgiveness, we can actually find this incredible release at the end, this incredible freedom. We're going to talk a lot about next Sunday about how, how challenging it is because a lot of the time we keep the pain in circulation. And how is it that we actually start to take it out of circulation? Now what I want to do is, is I want to give you a story here a story from the Bible. It's from Matthew 9, for those of you who are following along at home. And it's, it's a beautiful story. And it's, it's a story about Christ healing someone who is paralyzed. Someone who is paralyzed. Now, there's some context you need to know to this story. 
One is, it's, it's, and you'll see this, this is in the town of Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth. And Nazareth was a really, really small town. I mean, smaller than where we are here in Bernathan, smaller than Huntington Valley, very, very small town. So when it talks about him coming back, you have to sort of think of him coming back home where he would have known everybody, dollars to donuts, he would have known everybody and he would have known their story. So that's where we pick this up. This is again from Matthew 9. Jesus stepped into a boat. You'll see the words up here behind me. Jesus stepped in a boat, crossed over and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I want to sort of pull this apart because it's easy, again, like I feel like with anything with the Bible, anything with Scripture, you know, you blast through it. Not a lot of people are big Bible readers. Um, And and yet, you know, what I want to leave you with is just a sense of of what the beauty is in these words and how these words start to to give us a sense of what self-forgiveness really looks like. So it starts, Jesus stepped in a boat, crossover, came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. Now, just, just think, folks. Again, this is a person lying on a mat, and it's his friends who bring him to the shore. And you picture, you know, put yourself in the scene. Like, like here's Jesus. He's stepping off the boat. He sees these men, and he sees this paralyzed person on, a, on a, what would have looked like a stretcher. And he would have known that story. He would have known that story. He would have known why that man was paralyzed. He would have known the friends. He would have known what was going on. At New Church, we hold these things as poetic truth. So, so just imagine, like, here you are standing with a, with a family or a friend. You know, somebody who's really struggling, maybe struggling with this whole concept of self-forgiveness, who's paralyzed in a certain sense. And just, just even for a minute, folks, just even for a minute, just imagine someone you love, or part of you even, someone you love, struggling, who you just know is struggling, paralyzed in a certain sense. And you're standing around this person, this person who you love, and you're looking there and you see Christ coming towards you. And there's that simple recognition. The recognition that I know your story. I know your story. This next line is just so beautiful. I'm going to have you say the two words in yellow there. When Jesus saw their faith. Isn't that interesting? Not the paralyzed guy faith, but their faith. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart. I'm going to have you say the S word there. Take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Again, this is one of those buffet things. You can take a lot from this. Some of you probably are sitting here with someone who you love and, and you're just, you know, you're sitting here to hold them. And understand, like, like in, that, in that way that we can just do that again and again with this self-forgiveness, that, that it does, it takes a holding of other people. Self-forgiveness is awfully hard to just figure out for yourself. How many of us struggle by paralysis by analysis? Right? We can, we can play that tape over and over again. We need those other people in our lives. When, when we were going over this in, in, uh, in, our, in our sermon writing team, somebody said, yeah, there's a 12-step group right there. 
There's a small group right there. Like that's what this is talking about, that deep, deep, deep place. And notice again, quiz for you, Christ addressed this young man as son. Now, now, again, he, he would have known the story. I don't know what this guy did that got him paralyzed. The way I read the story is that Christ knew what he had done, and it had been something bad. You know, maybe he was ripping somebody off and fell off a roof. I don't know. But he, he had done something bad, and yet his friends had stuck by him. And, and here is Christ, like it's, it's this beautiful piece of self-forgiveness where he says, you know, he says, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. And, and I know, again, because there was Facebook chatter this morning on it, you know, as we were talking about the sermon, I know for a lot of you, like, can you hear that? Can you please, can you please, please just let that in for a minute? That in that place where you're finding it almost impossible to forgive yourself, that God is saying, take heart, son. Take heart, daughter. Your sins are forgiven. Matter of fact, they always were. And, and you don't see, you know, you don't see Christ doing this like a Shazam, like Shazam, your sins are forgiven. You know, you know, this is him, this is him gathering. This is, this is communion. This is, this is, this is community. This is, this is a wonderful holding of people, a circle around, a circle that's half made of friends who are, who are there to support this person, a circle that is half made of, of God and disciples and angels who are there cheering them on, all here to say, take Heart. Take heart, son. Take heart, daughter. Now it goes on to to say this, all this, at this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, and these would have been been clergy. Clergy does not come out well in the Bible, by the way, ever. (laughs) Why did I pick this as a career? (laughs) At this, Some of the clergy of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. So they're looking right at Christ. They're going, you are blaspheming. You are blaspheming. Now that is, I mean, that's about as dirty a word in religious circles as you can get. To say that Christ was blaspheming. It's interesting, folks, when you look at that, because What's happening here is they are saying, listen carefully, they are saying, you're blaspheming, you cannot forgive them. Christ, you know, you you can't forgive them. You can't forgive that guy. They believed, ready folks, they believed that whatever that person had done was unforgivable. Can we say unforgivable together? unforgivable. They believed that. They were like, no. Do you have a part of your brain that does that? Shows up. Unforgivable. Right there. It does it with us. It does it with other people. It's horrible. But we do it all the time. And see, here Christ again is going, no, you're you're so missing the point. You're so missing the point. So this is what Christ goes on to say. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart? In other words, why do you, why do you, you really are going to spend time saying this guy's not forgivable? Which is easier to say? 
your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. So he's sort of typical Jesus. He, he offers a set of questions and then he goes on. But I want you to know that the son of man, you could also say the son of humanity has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and went, went home. A beautiful, beautiful line there, folks. You see what an incredible game changer that is. Like, like here's Christ and here's, here are these, these sort of these clergy off on the side. They're saying, look, whatever that guy did, it's completely unforgivable. He can't forgive himself. Other people are not to forgive him. We're just to leave him there paralyzed. Folks, listen. They believed that the right thing to do was to leave that person there paralyzed. I struggle with that, right? Like, like I'm, I'm sure you have the same thing where, where like you're thinking, no, that person did such a bad thing. I just need to leave them there. Unforgiven and paralyzed. But here's Christ totally spinning it. Saying that's not really for you to decide. And again, the aside, forgiveness, reconciliation are two different things. We're talking forgiveness here. He's saying that's not for you to decide. That's for me. That's for God. And then I love sort of God says, well, you know what? You think, you think forgiving sin's a big thing. Watch this. Boom. And the guy gets up and walks. You got to be able to smile at that. The man's able to actually move outside of his paralysis. A beautiful line, beautiful set of teaching there can, can start to give you a hint about self-forgiveness. Now, I would imagine if I'm sitting in the audience that probably some of you, not all of you, but probably some of you caught a little lump in your throat somewhere when you heard some word. Mind that, baby. Really think about that. Like God's trying to speak to you on something with self-forgiveness. What is it? Go there. Talk about it. I think one of the challenges is, as we do this work, is this kind of painting. I love this painting. I'm not a painter. I didn't paint it, but it's a pretty good painting. It's, it's, it's I think, what we do with, when we struggle with self-forgiveness. What we do is, is we sort of, we frame ourselves. We do a painting, and we, we sort of capture ourselves in one moment of time. When we capture ourselves in one moment of time, that becomes completely how we identify ourselves. And the problem is we keep on looking at that picture. We have a hard time sort of turning away from that picture. That's where we get paralyzed. That's where we become immobile, unable to move. And yet we have to find self-forgiveness in that and to really confront our fears. Can I tell you a little story about that? Father James Martin had a, had a beautiful one where, where he said, uh, you know, when he, was, when he was going out to become a, a, a priest, um, he was talking to his superior about, about what kind of work he should do. And he said, look, I'll do any work but work in a hospital. And they said, well, why, why won't you do work in a hospital? He's there. I hate the sight of blood. <laughs> And it was kind of interesting, like, you know, you can't be a nurse or a doctor if you're, you know, afraid of blood and everything. And, and so guess what, where his superior assigned him? Take a guess, to a hospital. And this is what his superior said. Listen to this line. This is so good. This is what his superior said. He said, I need to assign you to a hospital because I need you to be free. 
because I needed to be free. I needed to be able to fly. I need you to look at that part that you have frozen and I need you to go at it. And yeah, part of that is self-forgiveness. Part of that is self-understanding. But but that's the freedom where God is asking us and pulling us forward. And two of the biggest gifts here are brokenness and rigorous honesty. Can we say those together? Brokenness, rigorous honesty. Brokenness, rigorous honesty. And doesn't that sound kind of weird? It sounds counterintuitive. I'm already feeling broken. I'm already feeling like in this self-loathing part. Why would you coach me to feel more broken? <laughs> well, it's not about feeling more broken. It's, it's about trying to feel humble enough that there's a space where we're humble enough where things have washed out, where the cup is empty enough to have something else start to fill it. And if the cup is actually filled with self-loathing, there's no space for something else. And it's that something else that God wants to give. That's why self-forgiveness is so important. And getting like, I'm broken and I keep coming back to this. And I need to be rigorously honest about it. Rigorously honest about like where I made mistakes. Rigorously honest where I've made an error. Rigorously honest about it. Rigorously honest with my own stuff. And then God can start to move in very, very powerful ways there. I want to hone in on, on, on I think, what this, what this really means. And I'm going to share some words up here with you. And, and again, it's self-forgiveness. It's going to sound odd, but I, but I want to explain it, and I think you'll get it. I know you'll get it. With self-forgiveness, we, this, is kind of, this guy said this tongue-in-cheek, by the way. We need to be willing to actually feel awful again. Endure a season of shame. Make amends. Holding with faith that we are better having gone through it. These, these again, this is, this is kind of tough to understand. Like, you know, but, but it strikes me. Yeah, it's true. If there's areas in your life where, where you're struggling with self-forgiveness and you feel like you missed on something, it's, it's all right if you do feel bad about it again. It's all right if you feel a season of shame about it. But the trick is don't fall in love. Listen carefully. Please take a note on this if you need to. Don't fall in love with the shame. Don't fall in love with the shame. Don't fall in love with the shame. Be clear about, like, like look, there's, there's this big mistake I made. I, I own it. I, I get it. That, that was me. I, I need to clean that up. And when we can start to understand, folks, that then what that does is, is that it actually makes us better for having gone through it, that there's a way in which when we really start to look at that, that that process will start to move us forward. And shame will have its season. It will have those paralyzed times. It's not that we can avoid them. But we just have to just let them be there for a season. You know, I, I'll share a story with you. You know, I, I can remember still to this day, I just get mortified thinking about it. It had been like a really rough time in our life, a really rough time for our family. I forget what, what one of our kids had done, but it was like, you know where you go right from, instead of ready, aim, fire, you go fire, ready, aim. And uh, I was like at DEFCON 7 or something, you know. It was, it was just, I did just had it. And one of the kids did something. And we used to live right over here in an apartment. One of our kids did something. And they just took off about across back campus. And I chased them. Ew. Right? Luckily, about 10 steps into this, I'm realizing with each step, this 
is ridiculous. <laughs> what am I doing? And I realize some of you have chased your kids. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you know, just that, and I'm, I'm still mortified. Like, I still remember just coming outside of our fence, just like, ah. I, I think, what, you see, folks, like, just imagine my wife had run outside and seen me right there and, and, and seen how mortified I was and gone, just forgive yourself, Chuck. You're such a good dad. Forgive yourself. Would that have been helpful? How would that have looked to my kid? Here dad is all irate, and here's mom out there saying, don't worry, you're such a good guy. You see, there, there has to be the work. There has to be the bottom of the cup. I, I hope that resonates somehow. Because we live in a culture where even if I say that maybe shame on occasion is a good thing, we live in a culture that has an allergic reaction to anything that doesn't feel good all the time. No, when we make mistakes, self-forgiveness will not feel good. Forgiveness will not feel good all the time. It will not feel good all the time. Abraham Joshua Heschel said, look, I prayed, I prayed for God to give me wonder, not happiness, and he gave me wonder. And we can just gaze at the world with wonder when we see the work that forgiveness can start to do, where, where real self-forgiveness can start to happen, supported by other people, met with God, us in our paralyzed place, us all together, putting aside that voice that points at us and goes, you cannot be forgiven. That was a deal breaker. That's not how God sees it. That's not how God holds it. I want to share with you these beautiful words, beautiful new church words that talk about this, talk about God's part. Take a look. No, can we go back there? Sorry, I forgot this one. Isn't that a great picture? So here's, here's one little point I wanted, want, wanted to leave you on. Sorry, I forgot this slide. No squinting. Could we all say no squinting? No squinting. All right? If you screwed up, look at it with both eyes. No squinting. No squinting. If you find that there's a part of you where there's self-loathing, no squinting, like look at it, work with it, no squinting. And then if we can really look at it, to look at it with both eyes, with both eyes, a full view. You know, the difference between seeing something with one eye and two is when you see it with two, you actually get to sense distance. You get a third dimension. That's why you have two eyes. So no squinting, no squinting. And listen to these words and, and really hold this. This is how God sees it. God looks, I'm going to have you say the H there really loud. God looks on the heart. God looks on the heart. Folks, just stop there for a minute. God looks on the heart. I, in a, it, it needs said over and over again. Most people have a pretty darn good heart. I, I've met very few people. I don't even think anybody, but there may have been a few in there. Very few people wake up in the morning thinking, wow, I wonder how big a jerk I can be today. It just isn't what we do. We, we really do have this core that goes back. It's, it's new church, but you know, it's tied to heaven, this deep part within us. God looks on the heart, not a word separated and isolated from the heart. Mercy, listen to this, folks. Mercy itself. God forgives everyone their sins, period. 
God is mercy itself. When you are willing to forgive, you are aligning yourself with God, who is mercy itself. Nevertheless, they do not come to be forgiven unless the person sincerely repents, refrains from evil, and after that leads a life of faith and charity. Now, how would we sort of say that, you know, how would we sort of say that in today's language? Well, I think that second word, be forgiven, I think we can read that as healing. All right, so God, God, whatever you're thinking, like, that you really messed up on, and you probably, some of you, at least half of you did it this morning, you know, whatever it is you're feeling like you really messed up, I'm like, yeah, God, God's already forgiven that. Now the question is, can you be healed? Can you find healing? Different things. This forgiveness gives you the container that holds the healing. Does that make sense? This forgiveness gives the container that holds the healing. Because I'm no longer into a transaction business with God. I'm into a transformation business with God. A transformation business with God. Not a transaction. A transformation. So, so that healing, and then you look back at the line. So you say, be healing. Unless that person sincerely repents, unless they rethink, refrains from evil, in other words, stops doing it again, and leads a life of faith and charity. Think trust and service. Forgiveness is the context. Then what I do is then I say, okay, but if I want to have healing in my life, I need to look at what I'm doing and stop doing it. Remember when Anne Lamott talked about the bone <laughs> being thrown over? He stopped doing it. You need to refrain from that. Not do it anymore. And then I can go on and I can start to really lead a life of faith and certainty. In other words, trust and service. Trust and service. The way to healing is trust and service. Ah, oh, the friends. Bringing this man. They had faith. They trusted. They were serving. They were helping someone outside of themselves. Healing. Of course he got up and walked. Of course his sins were forgiven. They did the work. They moved. Lives never the same again. Just imagine that. And folks, those ties of, of you know, when we, when we can trust and we can serve. I mean, the, the miracles just are abundant there. Abraham Joshua Heschel's thing on wonder, which I'm going to preach on later on. But that idea of wonder, like we can just have wonder around that. A little aside story, and it was just, it was so sweet, and it was just that connection of humanity. Uh, you know, we were down in, in Kensington this week, and we're driving back down this, down this street again. It's in a part of Kensington, as many parts are, we really shouldn't be driving, but we are. And, 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 uh, and Mary's driving, and she points over and she says, Chuck, look at that couple over there. And it was a young couple, probably ages of some of you folks, and they're kind of smooching and hugging and everything. And, and, and the guy looks over at us, and she sees, uh, he sees us looking at them, and there's the biggest grin you ever saw in your whole life. Biggest grin you ever saw in your whole life. And here we are in our car. Here he is in his circumstances, and here she is in hers. And there's this instant human connection. 
see, and when we, when we can have forgiveness as the container, we can have healing as the point, and I can look at that, and, and we can understand trust and service. There's this human connection, and the world starts to shift. The world starts to change. See, you see, religion, folks, is not just a, you know, a self-improvement project. It, it's so much more than that. It, it's really saying, what happens if we, be, if we create a world of healing, not a world of entertainment, not a world of self-esteem, but a world of healing? It won't always be happy, but it will always be wonderful. It'll be incredible because God is in that place. So I'm going to close the service there. Think about what the work of forgiveness is for you. Please, please consider one of two things. Please consider leading a group on forgiveness. So this conversation can go on and we can serve other people who are going to be joining us here in just a few short weeks. So we can serve other people and get this conversation going. It's a critically important conversation. And think about, if you're not interested in leading, think about joining a small group on forgiveness just to be part of that conversation with other people. This is big. This is big. Forgiveness is no small thing. But what we get to experience after that is flight. We get to experience a taking off into the world. We get to experience freedom, we get to experience engagement, we get to experience trust and service in a way we never have. Pretty darn good reason to think about forgiveness. Bless you. I'm now going to offer a prayer. Then you'll have the opportunity to say the Lord's Prayer as you know it, to have a moment of quiet meditation or a moment of silent prayer yourself. And then we're going to go into all fly away. Now, for the, we have a lot of first-time people here today. For the last song, you are welcome to stand up and sing it with us. You're welcome to stay in your seats as well. Again, and this song is going out to our dear friend, Joel Merrill, and his wonderful family, Bob and Peggy. So please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, forgiveness. Allow us, Lord, to find our way forward to self-forgiveness. In that place, Lord, where we find self-loathing, allow us to hear your words, son, daughter, I know your heart. You, you are forgiven. Lord, allow us from that place to continue to step forward into the place of healing. Healing. Putting aside those areas that simply don't work for us anymore and don't work for other people. Putting them aside. And finding the trust, the reaching out, the service towards others, Lord, that will bring us closer to healing. A third way outside of the transaction that we hold forgiveness into the transformation that forgiveness brings to our hearts. Be with us there. 
And finally, Lord, allow this. Allow our hearts to take flight. To fly away, Lord, on the wings of love. To fly in such a way that we bring healing to a world so racked with violence. Healing in a way, Lord, that is beyond this crazy idea that, that, that there is no forgiveness. Lord, there is. Let us find it. And finally, let us do this. Fly away. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.